John 15. We did verse 1 last week, but let's read down. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Important. He doesn't say without you, I can do nothing. He says, without me, you can do nothing. So he's bringing something in front of us here. Look, uh, it's interesting as we look at this section of the vine and the branches, it's the only parable in John's gospel. And you figure this is his last time speaking to the guys before his crucifixion and resurrection. Does he have 20 minutes left? How long does it take to go through these 15, 16, and 17 you know, and, and when you're with someone and they kind of know this is the, the, if you were with your kids and you knew I'm going to be gone in a half an hour, what would you say to them? What would you want to get to them? And here Jesus talks to them knowing that it would come to us. And he challenges them here in these verses to abide. Abide in me. Twelve times we have the word abide on this night. It's what he wants. And then he goes from that abiding to the way it would produce love between them. And that abiding that produced love, he said, will cause the world to hate you. It hated me before you. It's going to hate you as well. Eight times the word hate in this chapter. So he's giving us this picture and he uses a parable. Now, it's noteworthy that this is the only parable in John's gospel. It's not in any of the other gospels, this parable. And yet there are many in the other Gospels. And Jesus taught many times with parables. And yet in this Gospel, there's just this one that he uses on the night of his betrayal when he said it to his crucifixion. And as he challenges them, he talks to them. He says, look, there is no fruit. Starts with that, the the, the branch that doesn't bear any fruit. Then he says, then there's a branch that bears fruit. Then he says that branch is pruned that it might bring forth more fruit. And then finally he says that if we abide in him, we bring forth much fruit. So he goes from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And it's a parable. It's a picture as he's going through. He's speaking to us. He's the true vine. We took time and developed that last week and looked at it. His father is the husbandman, the vine dresser. And he tells us here in verse 2, he said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he, the father, the vine dresser, the husbandman, taketh away, he cuts it off. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, 
You might have the idea of pruning, purifying, cleaning. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So he's going to take us through these steps. First, he says, there's an unfruitful branch. His response to that is it's removed. There's the fruitful branch. His response to that is to wash it, to cleanse it. Then he tells us in verse 3 the means of that cleansing. And he said it's the word of God. That's how it works. That's how it accomplishes. And then in verse 4, he finally gives us our responsibility. Abide. That's your responsibility. You don't prune other branches. You don't bring forth fruit for anybody else. You don't cut anybody else off. You just abide. I remember my pastor Chuck, and it's in my mind 50 years ago, he, uh, he, he would teach this and he would say, you never saw a cluster of grapes where the grapes are hanging on the vine going, I'm going to get ripe. I'm going to get ripe. He said, they're not, they're straining to get ripe. They're just hanging. They're just abiding. And that's all that he asks of us is that we would abide in him. And look, it is more important now than it has ever been because John again will write, now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So this teaching about abiding, we see, goes all the way to the end of the age. And we look at the world around us today, and his advice to us would be today, abide in me. Abide. So that when I come, when there, my appearing takes place, you would have confidence and not be ashamed. He wants us in him. Interesting, I, I kind of looked through responsibilities of a vine dresser this week and kind of looked and some of them are reflected here the pruning the taking care of the vine take care of the fruit take care of the branches and so forth but one of the interesting things it said was that the closer it gets to the harvest the harder the vine dresser has to work and that sometimes right before the harvest the vine dresser is working 18 to 20 hours a day because the fruit is about to come in. He wants to make sure that it's protected, that it's cared for. And I think, I don't know about you guys, we're close to the second coming of Jesus Christ, to his appearing. And I'm content that he's got to work on me 18 hours a day. You know, in other generations, they weren't exposed to mobile devices, to TikTok, whatever, you know, just, you know, all TikTok to me means I've got to set my clock forward next week. That's all it means to me. You know, it just you, you think of all the things we're exposed to, all the things our brains are washed in every week, all of the temptation, everything that's around us. And what he asks in the middle of all that is abide in me. And I'll be working 18 hours a day. You're going to need it more in the last days than you've ever needed it because the harvest is just about to come. Amen. So he's committed to us. So he first gives us a picture of those two branches, the branch that bears no fruit. It's interesting he starts with that, a fruitless branch, because that's one of the things that takes away 
stamina and sap and vitality from the branches that are good. So he starts with that and just says, look, no brainer. If a, if a, and they understood in their culture, if a, if a branch in the vine is fruitless, it's just hanging there. There's no fruit or it's dead. The vine dresser comes and he takes that away. He cuts it away. So it's gone. So the vitality will go into the branches with fruit. Then he says, but if a branch bears fruit, then he comes. King James says he purgeth it. Um, it's the word katheros, where we get catharize. Um, John loves the word. Uh, he, in verse 3, he says, you are clean catharized through the word that I've spoken to you. Um, he's used it through his gospel. In First John, he'll say, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, catharize us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you guys. You know, catharization is not a pleasant experience. It's when you have poison in your system that you can't get out yourself. And it's necessary for that to be drained out. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. Incredible, he's just to forgive us. But then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his doing. Here there's a picture of that. He cleanses. So this word here, the branch that has fruit, he pruneth it. That's not the normal word, katheros, there that's used to describe pruning through the New Testament. It's a word that means to wash, to purge, to cleanse. Interesting, in Israel, particularly the southern part of the country, many times I've kind of watched this, they don't use trellises. Their vines grow along the ground. Some of them are thick. They grow along the ground. And, of course, the vine dresser will do that. He prunes away the branches that are insignificant. They have no fruit. But the, the branches where there's fruit hanging, sometimes that vine dresser will take that because it's in the mud, it's in the dirt. He'll lift up that vine and put a rock under it there to hold it up in the air, and then he'll wash that fruit before he moves on. And I think, what a wonderful picture of what God the Father does for us. He, he lifts us up and he puts us on the rock afresh. And he washes and he cleanses us. Now, the, the struggle in this verse is any branch in me that doesn't bring forth fruit. Everybody wants to stop and argue there. Very important to remember, you don't build doctrine on parables. Parable, parabolo, is to take an image and cast it alongside of a particular truth. When Jesus talked about the sower and the seed and so forth, they understood the rocky soil. They understood all of that. He was taking a spiritual truth and using a natural picture as an example of that. It, it gives us a picture, but you don't build doctrine there. Go to Romans. You know, go to Galatians. You want to build doctrine. Great places. But here... He's giving us the picture, and the, the, the issue is not the, the, the branch without fruit. It's just that that is removed because then anything that would hinder the production of fruit in healthy branches, you and I, is removed. And part, the vine dresser does part of what he does. Now, people say, well, the Armenians grab that and say, well, what that means is that you can lose your salvation. 
that if you don't bear fruit, the Father lops you off. That's encouraging. John must have been a little confused about that because John said this. He said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. John said this, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now now he's using a parable to develop some doctrine of us losing ourselves. It's not the picture here. It's not the picture, the metaphor, the image that he's given to us. Some try to say, well, what this is, is this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where sometimes because people won't repent that he he takes them. You know, he he brings them. He brings them to glory because they are in the way. Well, that doesn't work because in verse 6 it says the branches that are gathered are put in bundles and burned in the fire. That's not what happens in Corinthians. He doesn't take the Christians that aren't behaving and burn them in the fire. None of that works. This is just an interesting picture, certainly of those that are around the vine. They, They would be professors but not possessors. You know, here all the time we tell you it's not religion, it's relationship. And there are many around Jesus. Judas was with him for three years. Judas performed miracles. And when Jesus used this same phrase, he he said, you know, Peter, the situation there, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, really, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. Peter said, hey, wash my hands, wash my hair, wash me. And Jesus said, no, you have no need to be washed all over. You are already clean through the word I've spoken to you. You only have need to have your feet washed, but not all of you. He says, there's somebody here this doesn't apply to, which was Judas. Jesus tells us another parable, the sower. Some of this seed fell on, you know, hard ground and the fowls of the air stole it away. Some of the, the seed fell on shallow ground. It sprung up because it had no root. It withered. It died. Some of the seed fell among thorns. And Luke says these are those who believe for a while that the thorns choked it with the cares of this life, that it couldn't bring forth fruit. And then finally, some fell on good ground, brought forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. Peter tells that. You and I are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. That's our beginning. Now he's asking us to abide. So there are those, as we go through the scripture, the tares and the wheat. Uh, again, First John says this. He says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they wouldn't have no doubt have continued with us. So there's just that picture uh, of those, you know, Jesus said, Many are going to come that day. He said, Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do mighty works in your name and so forth? And he said, I'm going to say to them, Be gone. I never And it's emphatic. I never, ever knew you. I never, ever was intimate with you. I never, ever knew you. So here he's drawing a picture. That's the important thing. That when the vine dresser takes care of the vine, I'm the true vine, my father's the vine dresser. 
in his responsibility, he sees those things that would hinder the bearing of fruit. And he takes those things away. He does that in our lives as well. He removes the things that would hinder the bearing of fruit. If we're bearing fruit, then we're pruned. I'd rather be pruned than burned, you know, however you interpret this. But that, that God needs to prune us, that he does that. And he says here that he does that through his word as we go on and we look at it. God is still doing that in the world today. He is still cleansing me by his word. And look, that's in all circumstances, you know. Uh, when things are going great, I tend to be lazy spiritually. And he's got to come and remind me to abide in him. When things are terrible and I'm struggling, then I tend to say, oh yeah, Lord, if you love me, how come you're letting this happen to me? And then his word has to come to me again and say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you even to the end of the age. When there's hard decisions, all the different circumstances that come to us in life that may be pruning or purifying us, he says that process then is completed by the word of God. And how important. Look, I think of Christendom today around the world. And I think of the part of the church, the larger part of the church, probably who's not abiding in the word. And I think what their representation of Christ has done to a lost world. Because they've become relative, they become woke, they become social justice, they've become you know, inclusive so they're not offensive. The, the, the church without the word has become a good old boys club. It's not the church that Jesus left where the word of God is the active thing in the middle bringing about cleansing and growth. And I think so sad to see some of the things that are going on around us. Verse 4 finally brings us to our responsibility. It says, abide in me. That's what he's asking of us. And I in you, as the branch, cannot, and the sense of it is cannot ever, it's impossible, bear fruit of itself, except that abide in the vine, no more can you, except... You abide in me. That brings us to our, our responsibility is to abide. It's a, again, an artist, imperative, active. It means, all right, you need to abide now once and for all. You need to do this. You need to do it. It's the, the, in, the, in the language. He's saying, this is what I want from you. I do this. I provided the vine, I provide the vine dresser, I provide the care, I provide everything. What I ask of you is just simply that you would abide in me, stay in me, remain in me, find your place in me. You know, this is the same Lord that invited us in the first place when we were born again and said, come to me. All you that labor and have you laid, and I'll give you a rest for your souls. Come to me. And he did that with great compassion. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. Again, 
the church without the word so misrepresents him, his heart, the Bible says, is broken over you. The Bible says the Father in heaven loved you so much he sent his only begotten son, his only begotten son, to die in your place, to hang on the cross, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That when Jesus is beckoning humanity, come to me. It's with divine emotion that never changes. There's a brokenness there. But when he says, come to me, it, it is the essence of that is come to me and stay with me. It doesn't say, come, say hi, and then be gone. So he first says, come. Then to those of us who have come, who are in Christ, then he says, stay there. You've come to me, now abide in me. And look, the same divine emotion that pleads with us when we're lost to come to me is the same divine emotion that pleads with us then, abide in me. Look at the world you're living in. Look at what's going on around you in the world. Look at the human beings that surround you. Look at the temptations that are there. Look at the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're saved. Now, with heartbrokenness, I'm sure, abide in me. It's your safe place. It's where you'll be cared for and purified and washed and cleansed. Abide in me. Look, someone comes into your house, you know, you can't say to them, why don't you stay till they're inside, right? If you say to them, stay while they're outside, you don't want them in. But once they come in and eat dinner with you, I mean, hey, why don't you stay with us? That's what he's saying here. You're in. Stay with me now. Abide with me. Let me have this relationship. I struggle with that because what he's asking us to do is through our day, through the hours, through our waking hours, to be aware of him, to be, you know, compliant, to be yielded to his word, to be yielded to his spirit. And I, you know, I get up and I, and I get a good start. I do my devotions. I sit alone with them. It's still quiet. And, and I, I'm always kind of overwhelmed and say, Lord, I just want to abide in you. I want to bring every thought into captivity. You know, I, I want to stay in you today, Lord. And then I get in my car and head to work and somebody cuts me out in traffic. And I'm no longer abiding. It's, it's just gone, you know, th that quickly. And then I have to come back. His word pleads me back, you know, and washes me and brings it. But I want, to, I want to abide there. I want to stay in that place. And looking at the world that we're living in, as I'm attempting to do that, I'm so glad that the vine dresser is working 18 hours a day right now because the harvest is so close to us. Jesus' coming is so near. And look, as we're looking at that, you know, whenever we forsake his nature, which is love, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, if I, in the pressures of life during the day, forsake that nature for bitterness or envy or jealousy or prejudice or lust or whatever it may be, if I'm doing that, I'm no longer abiding 
I'm no longer abiding. I need to come and ask forgiveness, you know. I need to come and say, Lord, help me to abide. Bring me back in, as it were. Renew me, refresh me, purge me, wash me, prune me, Lord. And again, he will do that through many different circumstances in life, undoubtedly. He challenges the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. You know, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. He didn't say you've lost your first love. He said, you've left your first love. And he has a prescription. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Repent. Turn back to me. And do the first works. Lest I come and remove your light, your, your testimony. He calls us to himself. He didn't save us and then say, now see how you do. No, he saved us and said, now abide in me. Stay with me. This journey is perilous in many ways. This journey is lovely in many ways. This journey is a a relationship. It's not a religion. This journey is you being plugged into me and I'm in you. That's what you have to share with the lost world. It is in Calvary Chapel. It's not the Catholic Church. It's not a religion. It's Jesus. And we're not contagious. You can't give somebody the measles unless you got it. We're not contagious unless we're abiding in him. Then we, we bring something. Then we have something to contribute to this crazy world that we live in. And he says in verse 5, I am the vine. Now here's the parable. I am the vine. He's not a vine. He's the vine in the parable. I am the vine. You are the branches in this picture I'm drawing. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Not without you I can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. He said He said in verse 4, He said, as the branch cannot bear fruit. Because it's a parable. It's a picture. As the branch can't do anything. Then he says, look, down here he comes and he finally says, I am the vine. You're the branches. What you need to do is abide. And if you abide, you will bear much fruit. So... If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I think it's very important for you to realize Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. In this picture, we have Jesus and 11 men. And those 11 men on the day of Pentecost will turn into 3,011 in one day. And the church will move forward. And here it's come to us today It's come to you and I today to where 1 John is saying to us, Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear. So these are little children that are abiding at the coming of Christ. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Confidence there means freedom to speak. That when we see him, we have this freedom to express ourselves, to praise him. You know, just we're not cowering. So he says, even you guys in the last days, look, abide in him. 
that you might be bearing fruit when he comes. Because he's coming. He's coming. Look at the world. The world is screaming at us. You stupid Christians, get ready. Your Savior is coming. Look at me. I'm nuts. I'm falling apart. I'm destroying myself. You Christians, abide in your Savior. The world is screaming that to us. So in these last days, this is injunction is as important as ever been. Abide in him. If you've never come to Christ, you can't abide in him. If you've never come to Christ, you can have religion all day long. Paul says you can give yourself to be burned. You can do all this stuff. But without love, you're a noisy gong. You're a clanging cymbal. You've got nothing. Religion, relingari in the Latin, is man's attempt to relink with a holy God. It means to relink. And if man thinks he can do that by fasting or by building orphanages or by doing anything else, he's mistaken. All of that is still tainted by human sin. The only way we can be acceptable with him is through his son. And if you've never come to Christ, as the service ends today, we're going to ask you, like we did last week, if you want to be saved. And you know today's the day. And you see the world unraveling. And in your own heart, you realize, man, before this all comes down, I want to know my eternity secure. I want to know when I take my last breath in this world, I'll take my next breath in the next world. I want to know when I take my last breath in this world, I'm not going to be thrown into endless darkness and suffering that's eternal. I want to know that I'm going to step into my Father's kingdom and glory and hear well done. Amen? And if you're wrestling with those things, you need to get saved today. And you can think, well, I'll get saved next week. I hope you do if we're here. If we're not, you can, you can get the CD and listen to it again. Maybe it'll get through, okay? We want, we want to see you saved today. The great passion of the heart of Jesus Christ is that anyone in this room who's not saved would change that today. And to change that, you need only come to him. He asked us to repent, metanoia, to change our mind. Our life has been going away from him. He says, you need to make a U-turn. You're, you're running on empty. You're all worn out. You're ready to break down. You need to repent is metanoia, change the mind. Make a U-turn now and bring your life to me. Anyone here that's thinking, man, I don't, I don't you know, I, I ain't got any fruit. Well, maybe you need to think about coming forward as well. The more concerning person is the person who may be sitting here at the next service that you're coming here every week because you're playing on some girl or some guy. You got something cooking. You know, you could care less, really. You just, you're a poser. You know, you come for optics because you got some agenda. And you're not bearing fruit. And Paul says, let a man or a woman examine themselves to see if they're in the faith. Just because you come and sit here does not mean you're going to heaven. Talked to a wonderful lady after the first service. She said, I'm Catholic. I said, great. But you need to be a born-again Catholic. I said, people who come and sit here, not getting into heaven because of Calvary Chapel. They need to be born-again Calvary Chapelites. Baptists need to be born again Baptist. 
And if you're sitting here thinking you're religious and you're playing the game, there's no fruit. You need to examine yourself and see whether you're in the faith because Christ is coming at any moment. And you're taking something for granted that involves eternity. It involves eternity. So let's stand. Let's pray together. Those of us who are abiding this worship, if we've been taking detours, let's ask them as we're worshiping, Lord, bring my heart back. Let me in these days be abiding. If you're here today, you know, and you're thinking, man, there's no fruit. You know, I need to. Well, that's a good thing. I'm glad you're under that conviction. Then as we worship, you need to say to him, Lord, obviously, I got little withered, hardly any fruit. Help me, Lord, to to be fruitful. Prune me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Renew me. Strengthen me. And if you're here today and you've never come to Christ, but you're feeling in your heart, I do need to be saved. I'm not going to play spiritual games, eternal games. Then as we sing the last song, we're going to encourage you to come forward. If a friend brought you, they're going to say, come on, come on, I'll go down with you. And for anybody here who's a poser, and there are plenty of them. And you're playing the role of a Christian and you've got all kinds of other things on your mind. You need to get saved. Because you're playing with eternal things. And the Bible says to that person they need to examine themselves and see whether they're in the faith. If you doubt that, you come as well. We want to pray with you. Let's bow our hearts. Lord, I know you've overheard. <clears throat> Lord, we look at these things. We, we wonder as we sit with them alone, Lord, what was in your heart as you were speaking to us personally in these things? What is it that you're saying how much you must long to have us close? Lord, not just come to you for salvation, but then abiding in you. And let us learn that lesson, Lord, in these days no doubt, maybe more than any generation of the church, we need to be abiding. We're, we're thankful, Lord, that, that your Father is the vine dresser, and he's, he's involved himself in our care. Let us make fresh commitment, Lord, in those things. And we pray for those who may not know where they stand or who may know they have never come. Lord, that you would change that in their lives today. We trust you to do that work, Lord. Only you add to the church daily such as should be saved. It's not our business. So receive our praise as we worship now. And Lord, no man comes, you said, unless the Father draws him. Let them come today, Lord. We pray in your name.